solves everything, where Heather takes credit for making the world a better place by introducing you to people who actually are. I used to think that I was a good person, then I met these folks. Wow. Hey everybody, welcome to Heather Solves Everything. This is the show where I take credit for making the world a better place by introducing you to people who are doing good things for the world. This is a problem-solving show, and each week my guests and I talk about the everyday problems that we all face, their creative solutions, and how we can all tap into our unique strengths to be a problem-solver too. But today, guys, things are a little bit different. Today, I am in here all by myself. I am alone in the studio. It is just me. Is that a problem to solve? Maybe. I don't know. But today's show is all about the value of solitude. It's about the power of being on your own once in a while. Today, my guest is me. I decided to do a show about being alone because I thought it would be a challenge and because sometimes being alone is really good for us. Do you remember my episode with Dr. Kenya Rich when we talked about self-care? Well, guess what? About 50% of people consider being alone to be an important component of caring for themselves. I made up that statistic, and that's the kind of thing I can do when it's just me. Being alone has all kinds of advantages, even though our modern world has tried to convince us that it's a bad thing. Have you ever been sent to your room as punishment? Have you been told you can't go out to a party? Or have you been made to sit by yourself until you can make better choices? Um, thank you. Yes. I would love to go sit in my room by myself and do whatever I want to until I can be nice again. Being alone is one of the best things that can happen sometimes. And today we are going to explore the value of solitude. We're going to talk, well, I'm going to talk, about the difference between being alone and being lonely. I'll share some stories about real-life people who have chosen to live completely alone. I'm going to give you some tips on how to make the best use of your time alone. And finally, I'm going to leave you alone so that you can put it all into practice. Are you guys ready? Okay, I get it. Let's get into it. Now let's get one thing clear right now. There is a difference between being alone and being lonely. Being alone is a choice, whereas feeling lonely can be your reality even in a crowded room. And we'll get that to that in a minute. Now I said earlier that I made up the statistic that 50% of people consider alone time to be self-care. But I was only being half serious when I said that I made it up. The truth is that according to Forbes magazine, about 50% of the population can be categorized as 
introverts, meaning that they find more value and get more energy from time spent on their own than time spent with others. And have you ever noticed how many helpful articles have been written to help introverts come out of their shell and be more social? Maybe extroverts should take a tip and stay home once in a while. I can say that because I'm an extrovert and because I'm on my own today and I can say whatever I want to. That's one of the first benefits of taking time to be alone. That means the pros of being alone happen when it's a choice. Spending time doing things by yourself can have benefits to your mental wellness, physical health, and social life. But the key to reaping those rewards is when being alone is a choice. And it's an important choice to make because some of the benefits of solitude can include more creativity, increased productivity, better relationships, and fewer opportunities to regret saying something that you said to the wrong person at the wrong time, which I can tell you from personal experience is a real hazard of being an extrovert. Science, and by science, I'm referring to an actual study published in the Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin, confirms that when we deliberately find time to be alone, we are better able to regulate our emotions. We need space to recover from our highs and our lows. Psychotherapist Amy Morin writes in Forbes magazine that the ability to tolerate alone time has been linked to increased happiness, better life satisfaction, and better stress management. That means people who enjoy time alone experience less depression. Now, time alone can make us better people because we can appreciate our time with others more rather than taking it for granted or feeling overwhelmed by it. It can help us understand others better. Introverts tend to have high levels of both empathy and self-awareness. Those are two qualities that contribute to healthy relationships with others. Spending time by yourself can give you time to gain a better understanding of who you are as a person and help you make better choices about who you do want to spend your time with. Now, being alone isn't always a good thing. Being alone with your thoughts isn't always a good thing. Sometimes it can make us more vulnerable to that inner voice that's critical. Sometimes when we silence our mind, we don't like what we hear. Isolation can be the perfect breeding ground for negative thoughts. We all have that voice. We all have that background noise that channels up those feelings of self-doubt and makes us wonder whether we are as cool as we pretend to be when we're with everyone else. And these types of critical inner voices can be at their loudest when we're feeling lonely. At these times, 
that voice tells us that there's something wrong with us, that we're alone because nobody else wants to be with us. That type of alone time can, of course, be very dangerous, especially considering the past couple of years that we've had of increased isolation. In some cases, people are not able to be with the ones who bring them the most energy in a way that feels real and meaningful. In this case, loneliness is not really defined by the amount of time that we spend alone, but rather how we feel about the time that we spend alone can lead to feelings of depression, can be bad for our health. And it's important to know the distinction between the two. In this episode about spending time alone, about the value of solitude, and about how we can cultivate a healthy relationship with being with ourself is designed to plant seeds for you in how you can take advantage of opportunities to be with yourself, get to know who you are, and use that for planning the big ideas that you have for yourself. But if you start feeling sad, lonely, critical of yourself, if you start feeling that the reason that you're by yourself is because nobody else wants to be with you, I encourage you to reach out because you deserve to have care for your mental well-being and we are surrounded by resources that can help make that time that you have alone something that builds you up instead of holds you down. When we come back from the break, I've got some fascinating stories of people who have chosen and maybe not chosen to go it alone. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. I'm Coach Healthy Heather, and I will be right back. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. This is the show where we tap into your intrinsic strengths to solve the everyday problems of life. And I need your help. If you've got a problem that needs solving, let me know. It just might make it to the show. Go to CoachHealthyHeather.com and click on Solve My Problems. Submit your idea, send it to me, and you never know, it might end up being on an episode of Heather Solves Everything. Welcome back, everybody. Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything All by Herself. I have no guest today. It's just me. But I am not feeling lonely. No. I set this time intentionally 
to be by myself and do this on my own because that can be a really powerful and positive thing to do for yourself. And I'm glad that you're here because I've got some stories to tell. I wonder, have you ever wanted to run away? Sometimes I dream that I'm on the run and I need to make it to an airplane on time so I can avoid being found. I wonder if that dream is a sign that I need to carve out some time for myself. I asked this question to a couple of my running friends one morning. I told them I was doing a show on the value of solitude, and I asked, have you ever wanted to be a castaway? It was really fun to hear what they had to say about what they would do if they could run away. One friend said she would go to a little mountain town, maybe a ski resort kind of place where it's beautiful and snowy, and she would work in a bakery and just be anonymous. And we agreed that she might be watching too many Hallmark Christmas movies. My other friend imagined jetting off to Paris or some other vibrant European city where she could just people watch and talk to other travelers and just observe life around her. None of us wanted to disappear forever and start completely new lives, although I think sometimes that's a fun thing to daydream about. But some people do disappear. Some people do want to live on their own, away from reality. One of my favorite TV shows is Alone. If you haven't seen it, 10 survival experts are dropped off in the wilderness with 10 items of their choosing and nothing else but their wits and expertise to see who can survive the longest. The record so far is just over 100 days, and when I watch, I can't help but wonder how I would do. I'm outdoorsy, but I'm no survival expert. I love seeing how they know what plants they can eat and how to make tools and shelter, but the show really gets interesting after they've been alone for a while. The psychology of solitude is really interesting. A lot of the participants on Alone rely on staying busy with projects so they don't get inside their heads too much. And that makes sense to me because while rest is definitely a component of alone time, our brains are often more creative when we're absorbed in a mundane, solitary task. I'm always curious about people who live on their own, away from society, off the grid. So I looked for some stories of castaways, and I found these on history.com. I'd like to thank writer Evan Andrews for compiling these stories. I'll put a link to them in the show notes. Alexander Selkirk, a Scottish mariner. His solitary odyssey began in 1704 when he arrived at an island off the coast of Chile along with a group of British privateers. The men had spent the pre previous year harassing Spanish shipping around South America, but when they dropped anchor in the Juan Fernandez archipelago, Selkirk got into a dispute with his captain over the seaworthiness of their ship. And as anyone would do, 
he decided I'm going to stay behind on the island. And y'all can just leave me here. He had a small supply of weapons, some food, tobacco, and rum. You could say the rest is history. Now, he may have thought that a passing ship would pick him up in a matter of weeks, but it turns out he spent more than four years alone on that island. He passed the time by notching the days and months on a tree, reading his Bible, and chasing goats, first for food and then just to have something to do. He kept his eyes peeled for signs of rescue, but all he saw were Spanish ships that weren't exactly a fan. On one occasion, he was even forced to hide in a tree when Spanish mariners landed on the island to resupply. He was finally rescued in February of 1709 when Captain Woods Rogers stopped on his island. The wild-haired and bearded castaway initially had trouble remembering how to speak he had been alone for so long. But ultimately, they think that he was likely the inspiration for the title character in Daniel Defoe's 1719 novel, Robinson Crusoe. Have you ever heard the name Marguerite de la Roque? Probably not. Little is known about her life. She was a 16th century French noblewoman who spent two years marooned on an island off the coast of Quebec. According to most accounts, her ordeal began in 1542 when she accompanied a relative on an expedition to establish a new colony in Canada. But you know, those trips across the ocean are long and lonely. And she sparked a scandal when she and a fellow passenger fell in love. The tryst outraged the ship's devout captain, and she and her servant and lover were subsequently banished to the remote island of demons near the Gulf of St. Lawrence. They built a hut to protect themselves against the blistering cold. Ultimately, she discovered she was pregnant. Amazingly, she survived the birth of her baby. But after 16 months on the island, she and her servant, or her lover and her servant, had both perished. Her baby died soon after, and she lived there alone until 1544 when she was rescued by a group of fishermen and ferried back to Europe. Can you imagine? St. Helena is perhaps best known as the place where Napoleon Bonaparte was banished after his famous defeat at the 1815 Battle of Waterloo. But 300 years before that, that remote island was home to one of history's most unusual castaway. For now, Lopez was a Portuguese soldier who had turned against his homeland and sided with Muslim natives during a conflict in India. When his former brothers-in-arms captured him, they punished him by cutting off his right hand, his ears, and his nose. Deformed and disgraced, he stowed away aboard a ship for Portugal in 1516. And when it stopped at the uninhabited Isle of St. Helena, he slipped away and hid in the forest. He lived on that island in self-imposed exile for years 
totally alone except for a rooster that turned into his pet. He refused to come out of hiding when people would visit, but he became a legend among Portuguese mariners who knew he was there and would leave offerings of food and clothing for who they called the Hermit of St. Helena whenever they dropped anchor on the island. Eventually, he was persuaded to travel to Europe, and the disfigured castaway was offered a place in a monastery, but he chose to return to the island and continued to live alone until his death around 1545. How would you spend your time if you were stranded on a desert island, whether you were there by choice or whether you had been exiled? Do you know where you would begin to create a life for yourself? Have you ever thought about how long you would be able to last? When we come back from the break, I'm going to share with you some ways that you can make the best use of your time, whether you find yourself marooned on a desert island or just crashed on the couch for the weekend. This show is all about you and how to make the best of your time alone. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. I'm Coach Healthy Heather. I'll be right back after a short break. Stay with me. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather from Heather Solves Everything. I want to thank my sponsor, Kylene and Ryan Studios, a local husband and wife photography team who specialize in weddings and portraits of all kinds. Whatever special event you have coming up, they're your photographers for life. With a combined 32 years of professional photography experience, their unique perspectives shine through in every image you see. Find out more at KyleenAndRyan.com. That's KyleenAndRyan.com. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. I'm Coach Healthy Heather, and I am all by myself today, y'all. I have no guests. I am solving everything on my own, kind of. I'm really just talking about the value of being by yourself. It's not necessarily a bad thing, even though our modern culture has managed to connect being on your own with somehow being less than. You know, we, we feel bad for our friends that don't have plans. We try to get them to come out and join us. We get sent to our rooms to sit by ourselves if we've been bad. Being alone has been something that we have learned we should be ashamed of. But the reality is, sometimes being alone 
is the healthiest thing you can do for yourself when you choose to. And part of making that choice is knowing when you need time alone and then being proactive and intentional about how you structure it. Do you know the signs that it's time for you to spend some time doing your own thing? Feeling short-tempered? Do you notice that your temper is short? Do you notice that you're getting easily irritated by things that don't typically bother you? Are you not excited about spending time with people again? Are you feeling overwhelmed or overstimulated? Are you having trouble concentrated? Are you getting anxious about upcoming events? These are all signs that it's time for you to carve out some time for yourself. On my calendar, I like to call it a chill zone. I will go onto my family calendar and I will select a weekend and establish that as a chill zone. And everybody in the family knows that when we come to a chill zone, there are no obligations. We are obligated to no one. We do what we want. And if we decide to do something, we decide as a family. But if everybody's not on board, it is your time to do your thing. Now, regular listeners to Heather Solves Everything might be familiar with one of the ways that I like to be proactive about change. And that is taking aim. A-I-M. A stands for awareness. I is for identifying the impact. And M is for molding a new message. Noticing these things, the short temper, the irritability, the feeling overwhelmed, the feeling anxious about another social event. That's the first step, that awareness. Don't ignore that racing heart. Don't ignore that chatterbox of a brain. Your body sends signals loud and clear about what it needs. If you are willing and able to listen, the A is for awareness, becoming aware that you need time alone. Once you do notice, pause for a moment and name it to tame it. Give that feeling a name. It could be, I'm tired, or I'm annoyed, or I'm feeling unappreciated, or I am just over all of this. Identify how you're feeling and the impact that it's having on you. And that's a two-step process. Identify how you're feeling and the impact that it's having on you. So this might sound like, I'm feeling tired and it's making me cranky and irritable. Or I'm feeling unappreciated and it's making me not want to work very hard anymore. First, you become aware and then you identify the impact that it's having on your life. The third step is M, mold a new message. We're going to flip the script, pull back on the reins and make time for yourself to decompress. A-I-M, take aim with awareness, identifying the impact and molding a new message. Now, I know that it's not always easy to just make time for yourself, but you don't have to fly off to Paris or be a castaway, stow away on a pirate ship and be marooned on a desert island. 
just 10 minutes by yourself can be helpful when you spend it well. I recently posted an episode of Heather Solves Everything with my friend Stacy Turknet. She's a mindfulness and meditation coach, and she has some great tips for how to infuse mindfulness and meditation into your day. I recommend that you take a listen and incorporate some of her ideas. Find a comfortable place to sit, set a timer if you need to, and just be. Y'all, in preparing for this episode, I read about a study conducted at the University of Virginia that found that most people are just not comfortable in their own heads. That idea of sitting with your thoughts is kind of scary. And in fact, some would rather undergo an electric shock than spend time with their thoughts. I want to underline that with emphasis. They would rather undergo an electric shock than sit quietly with their own thoughts. They simply did not enjoy spending even brief time alone with nothing to do but think, ponder, or daydream. But they loved being alone if they could do things like listen to music or use their phone. And that's okay, guys, because being alone does not necessarily have to mean you're doing nothing. If you're like me and you like feeling efficient and productive, that even using your downtime to do something that yields some type of benefit is probably a psychological situation that I will explore in a future episode. But for the purposes of today, here are some ways to make the most of your time alone. Overachievers like me, it can be tempting to fill our alone time with projects, and that's fine. But I do encourage you to allow some spontaneity in how you choose what to do. Indulge yourself in that Netflix binge and let those feelings of scandalously wasting your time just pass you by. You can write different projects on pieces of paper, put them into a jar. When your personal time arrives, pull out a project. If it sounds like fun, do it. And if it doesn't, then don't. You call the shots when it's your time alone. A few years ago, I told my husband that I was going to the beach alone overnight. I booked myself a room at a bed and breakfast. I loaded up my car and I proceeded to do whatever I wanted to do for the next 24 hours. I sat in the sand. I walked in the waves. I watched birds. I walked along the shore. I napped in the sun. And that night I took myself out to dinner and enjoyed watching families and people on dates. I slept like a starfish in a bed all by myself and I took my sweet time. And yes, I took pictures and I posted them on social media and I encouraged everyone to do the same thing or at least their version of it because we all deserve a little time alone. And when I got home, I told my husband, now it is your turn. It's easy to feel selfish at first when you really start to care for yourself, but it's something that we all need. And so look for ways that you can clear the path for others to have alone time too. I love this advice from Dr. Guyan, an assistant professor in the Department of Psychology at Durham University. She says that enjoying the benefits of time alone is not really about being an introvert or an extrovert. Rather, it helps us to regulate our emotions, have a calming effect that prepares us to better engage with others. 
the part that I love is when she says, take the opportunity to say, this is the time where I can give something to myself. And just endorse that in this moment, you are your first choice. You are your own first choice. And speaking of you, when we come back from the break, I have some questions to ask. So get out a pen and paper because I'm going to give you some homework. I've got an idea of how you can use your alone time to start thinking about what you really want in life. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. I'm Coach Healthy. Heather, I'm so glad that you've hung in with me this long. One more break, guys. Come on back and we're going to get into something really fun. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather, and I'm so excited to announce that my book is ready for you to pre-order. It's called Happy Healthy You, Breaking the Rules for a Well-Balanced Life. I wrote this book because the healthy living to-do list is short and simple. Eat healthy, exercise, get some rest, and don't stress out. But knowing and doing are two different things. So help is here. We're going to explore how to understand your values and priorities, set boundaries, create a true vision for your life, and enjoy the benefits of healthy living right now. It's a 52-week guide, your path to finding a healthy lifestyle that suits your unique needs. Each entry includes a story with inspiration and advice, as well as a journaling prompt, weekly assignment, and reflection questions. I can't wait for you to read it. It'll be in stores May 2022, but you can pre-order it now wherever books are sold. I drink alone. Yeah, with nobody else. Welcome back, everybody. It's Healthy Heather. Yeah, you know when I drink alone. I am not here to judge you about what you like to do when you are alone. That is your time to do what you want to do. And that's what this whole show is about today. Taking time to do what you want to do and taking time to be alone. And before the break, I encouraged you to get out a pen and a piece of paper because I was going to give you some homework for the next time that you are alone if you need something to think about. Anybody who has worked with me as their personal coach knows that I go on and on and on about their vision statement. Do you have a vision for your life? Sometimes sitting alone is a great time to daydream, to just think about what if. Sometimes I like to think about what I would do if I won the lottery. How much money would I need to do everything that I want to. But there is a transition point where daydreams and plans converge. When we're making plans and goals 
for improving or changing any area of our life, it's important to know the difference between just daydreaming about change and actually planning it. And those who create sustainable and satisfying change move beyond the daydream, and they create a vision that is supported by progressive goals and action steps. Now, that doesn't mean that daydreaming is a waste of time. In fact, it can be one of the most indulgent ways to spend your time. But I want to challenge you to explore your daydreams and determine whether there is anything there that's calling to you to become part of your reality. I like to think about daydreams as an indulgent dessert, something that you splurge on, especially after a long time of disciplined work. Our daydreams let our brains kind of wander and get their wiggles out and recharge without us really doing a lot of work. But sometimes there are elements of these mind escapes that have a little bit more pull to them. Just as every joke has an element of truth, some daydreams have an element of yearning. If we pay attention to the underlying themes of daydreams, we can uncover opportunities to set goals that can bring real life elements into how we live. For example, I might daydream about how I would spend a winning lottery ticket. But the reality of that is I could set goals for wealth building. I could bring that into my life in an intelligent and intentional way. When you notice that your daydreams have elements of true possibility, take those parts down from your mental cloud and put them on paper in a structured vision. Your vision is a big picture of what you want your life to be. It might be a few months from now, it might be a year, it might be longer, it could be tomorrow. But it should be a time frame that you can easily get to, something that's a little bit challenging, but not so much that it's intimidating. Because your wellness vision keeps you grounded and focused, and it serves as a place where you can go to in your daydreams and remember what you wanted to create. So I challenge you, I invite you to put your dreams to the test and see if they are ready to be part of your real life. Here are some ways to make the most of your alone time and create a vision for your life. Number one, you got to make sure that this vision is realistic. That's the first criteria for any vision that has any hope of standing on its own legs. Winning a lottery ticket could be a daydream, but it's not a plan. Your vision needs to be something that can happen independent of the choices or actions of anyone else. So if you hear yourself thinking, well, if so-and-so would do this, then I could do that, that's a red flag that your vision isn't realistic. Enjoy the daydream and then move on to what can actually happen. But here's the thing, guys. Realistic doesn't necessarily have to mean aiming low. I want you to think big. I want you to get goosebumps. Even though your vision needs to be grounded in reality, I want you to challenge yourself to that place where you wonder, could I really? I mean, I know I could, but wow, 
what if I did? Go ahead and admit what you want. Go ahead and write it down. If you had no obstacles and you were free from guilt, what would you do with your life? I want you to go for what you want, what you really, really want. And once you have admitted to yourself what you really want and you've put it through the could this happen reality check, decide what you're willing to do to get it. Now, it is completely okay to acknowledge that you value and appreciate something, but it's not a high enough priority to work for. That's okay. But your vision has to be something that you are worth, that you are willing to put time and energy into and put other things on hold. When you recognize that you are ready to put other things on hold so that you can pursue this dream, this is a daydream that rightfully belongs in the category of vision. Start now. Your vision statement needs to be something where you can take action right away. I encourage my clients to create a vision that they can start immediately. If you have a vision of creating an active lifestyle where you participate in the activities around you, then show up. You don't need to be an expert, but get into the room. Set those mini goals. Set small steps. Use that alone time to learn about the next steps that you should take and commit to doing something progressive in the next week. Definitely pay attention to your daydreams. Some of them are whimsical flings and that's fine, but others are calling to you. Pull them down and see if they are ready to be part of your real life. When you do articulate those ideas and you've got some words and some sentences, it might be time to create a visual representation of what you're aiming for. I love creating a vision board. Now, if the thought of making a vision board as a strategy to reach your goals sounds like some kind of woo-woo out there, new age mumbo-jumbo, you're right. And as it turns out, woo-woo out there, new age mumbo-jumbo, totally works, guys. People who reach their goals do it because they keep a reminder every day of what they're working for. Your vision board should inspire you to action. It should focus on the doing of what you want. It should be creative. It should be something that inspires you. I love to look at my vision board at least a few times a week just to remember that when I carve out time for myself, it's because I am working on something that is exciting, that gives me goosebumps, and that I can eventually check off the list. How you spend your alone time is totally up to you. And I want to know what you choose. Visit me at heathersolveseverything.com and let me know how you enjoy spending your alone time. 
We're out of time for today's show, but tune in next week for a new episode. The podcast is always available on Monday mornings. I'm so glad that you showed up today for this show where I was my own guest. I had a lot of fun and I hope that you got something from it too. Stay in touch with me on Facebook. Just look for Heather Solves Everything and go to heathersolveseverything.com. If you've got an idea for a show, click on Solve My Problems. We'll get it done together. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope that something great happens for you today. I'm Coach Healthy Heather, and I'm always here to help you solve everything. Status confirmed. This problem is solved. Well, that's it for this week, guys. We did it. We solved another problem with a little help from our friends. You can be a superhero, too. Check us out online. That's where all the information is about how you can jump in and start solving everything. Heather solves everything with a little help from everyday heroes.